Well, I am so thankful that God is for us and not against us. How about you? Listen, I don't know how you're feeling right now, but it's good news to know that you are who he says you are. God is for you today, and my hope is that you will be encouraged throughout the remainder of this service to believe that all things are possible through Jesus. He has great and precious promises for you and for me. So right now, before we get into the word, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you right now. Would you agree with me in prayer? God, thank you so much for this moment that we can come in agreement through a video screen, through a phone, through a television, through a computer, and our hearts can be united around your word. God, I pray right now for my friend that whatever thoughts they're battling, whatever uh, emotional battles or even physical battles they might be up against, Lord, let this be a clarifying moment. Let this be a moment of faith that we not only sing it, but we believe it in our hearts, that we are who you say that we are, and that your promises are ours in Christ Jesus. So we receive them today by faith, and we lean in with our hearts to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you can say amen. Amen. Listen, for the last few weeks, we've been in a series that we're calling Welcome Home Jesus, and we've been talking about some people in the Gospels that did just that. They welcomed Jesus into their home. Uh, One of the men we talked about was Simon. Simon was one of Jesus' closest friends. He walked with Jesus, and he ministered alongside Jesus, but he didn't keep his relationship with Jesus uh, just uh, relegated to the ministry arena. No, in fact, Simon invited Jesus into his home and into a situation he was dealing with. If you remember from Easter Sunday, we talked about how his mother-in-law was sick with a fever, and he invited Jesus into that situation. And I I just want to say again, Uh, today, that it's sometimes easier for us to just go and visit Jesus at the place where ministry happens. But real life change can happen when the relationship goes beyond that, when we invite Jesus into our home and into our mess and into the stuff that we're dealing with the same way that Simon did. We, We talked about another guy named Zacchaeus. When he heard Jesus was coming, he was too short to see over the crowd. The Bible says he literally climbed up a tree. He went out on a limb to see Jesus. And when Jesus saw that faith, the Bible says he stopped in that moment. I just want to remind you, friends, that your faith will always get the attention of Jesus. He called Zacchaeus out of that tree and he said, today I'm going to your house. We talked about two other men who met Jesus on Easter Sunday. They were traveling down the Emmaus Road, and they walked with Jesus, and they talked with Jesus, and he even explained all of the Old Testament scriptures to them, and yet they didn't know it was the resurrected Lord. But it was their invitation that brought a revelation. The Bible says they said these words to Jesus as he was about to go on beyond where they were staying. They said, stay with us. And it was that invitation that that. They welcomed Jesus into their home. And then as they sat around the table and broke bread, their eyes were open. They saw and realized that it was the resurrected Lord. Oftentimes, it's just that next step. It's that invitation to invite Jesus closer that brings the revelation that we need of who he is and of what he can do for us. Last week, we looked at another guy named Jairus. 
Jairus was a man uh, who was a religious leader in the community, and yet his 12-year-old daughter was dying. She was sick. And Jairus went and he found Jesus and he said, would you come? But as he was on his way back to his house with Jesus, the report came from his servants. Don't bother the master. It's too late. Your daughter has already died. But Jairus was one of those guys. And I love his story because Jairus welcomed Jesus into his home anyway. In spite of the bad report, when, uh, when he got to his house, he kicked doubt out and he made a place for faith. He kicked the doubt out of his house, and he made a place for faith. And Jesus touched his little girl and raised her up, and she was made whole. There's so many incredible stories just like these of times where Jesus moved miraculously in people's lives. And the truth is, I don't know what God's going to do in your life today or, or tomorrow. I mean, honestly, I don't even know what all God's going to do in my life, but I do know this. And here's the precedent that I want you to build your faith around. I do know that every time Jesus is welcomed into the home, things begin to change. And friend, it's no different for you. Things can begin to change even today. And in fact, that's my prayer for you, for your home in this whole quarantine situation. My prayer for you is that that in this season, you would come out of this whenever that day comes, that you would come out of this season and you would be able to say, you know what, my home is different. My home is different than it used to be because in a time where I couldn't really go anywhere and I couldn't invite other people in, I chose to welcome Jesus into my home and things began to change. This season of your life, this most unique season of our lives, it could become the most significant season of your life, if you'll lean into it with faith. And so I want you to just consider today for a few moments, what does it look like for you to say, welcome home, Jesus? Now, now there's a lot of other great stories in the scriptures. I could keep telling you stories about other people that invited Jesus into their home, but I want you to consider what it would look like for you to say those words. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he ministered for some three and a half years, and he went into several people's homes, but he only went into one home at a time. And in fact, he never traveled more than 200 miles uh, from his hometown. Why? Because when Jesus walked the earth, he lived in a physical body as a man. And so he was limited to being in one place at a time, and he couldn't get there any faster than anyone else. But when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, when he was getting ready to give up his life, when he was getting ready to uh, conquer death and then be ascended back up into heaven, he began to talk to his disciples about a shift. He began to cast a new vision for them. And we find it in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. In John chapter 16, Jesus is teaching his disciples before his arrest and betrayal. And it says in verse 7, of John 16. But very truly I tell you, Jesus says, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, be, Jesus is saying, because I'm about to conquer death, because I'm about to go up to heaven, I'm no longer going to be limited by, by time and space. I'm not going to be limited to one 
uh, geographic location or one home at a time. Because I'm going up to the Father, I'm going to be able to send my spirit. He calls him the advocate. I'm going to send my spirit. And through my spirit, I'm going to offer you something that I could never offer in, in my human state. He talks about it in John 14, a little earlier in the night. He told them this in verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And we, listen to this, we will come to them and make our home with them. Friend, that's good news. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to just be welcomed in your home as a visitor. He wants to make your heart his home. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want to just come and and visit with you. I want to abide with you. I want to dwell with you. If you love me, he said, and if you obey my teaching, then my father and myself, we will come and we will make our home with you. Jesus said, you got to love me. So when I say, welcome home, Jesus, what I'm saying is, I love you, Jesus. When you say, Jesus, I welcome you into my home, knowing that that his home is your heart, you're saying, Jesus, I love you. But it's not just words. It's not just lip service. It's not just a song we sing on the weekend. No, he said, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. So when you say, welcome home, Jesus, you're saying, I love you, Jesus. And when you say, I love you, Jesus, you're saying, I will obey you, Jesus. Now, notice that the love comes before the obedience. That's really important because there's a lot of people that they won't go all in with their heart to love Jesus for one reason, because they tried to obey all the rules and they failed and they don't feel like they can measure up. So they're not ready to commit to the relationship fully. But listen, the love comes before the obedience. The love becomes the catalyst for our obedience. And then it says, if you'll do that, if you'll open your heart to him, if you'll tell him you love him and you'll show that love by obeying his commands, he said he'll receive that invitation that you give him to welcome him in and he will come and he and his father will make their home with you. What a powerful verse. Can I just encourage you today, friend, if you've been holding out, if you've been just kind of watching and waiting and considering, let today be the day that you go all in on your love for Jesus. Let today be the day that you even would verbalize those words personally and prayerfully and say to him, welcome home, Jesus. And know that when you say that, you're saying, Jesus, I love you. And because your spirit is here to live in me, I believe you're going to empower me to live according to your word. I'm going to obey your teachings. Now, I want to take the time that we have left to to show you what it looks like to be God's house. And and if you go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 3, Moses uh, is talked about here in the first few verses, but we're going to get an understanding from the writer of Hebrews what it looks like to be God's house. It says in Hebrews 3 verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. That's what we're doing right now, friends. We're just fixing our thoughts on Jesus. You could be doing a hundred other things 
Or, or maybe not. Maybe you've been at home for so long, you're out of things to do, and you're just watching out of boredom. I don't know. But we have to make a conscious decision to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Verse 2 says, He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. What a beautiful thought. It says in the next verse, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. So listen, when Jesus moves into your life, he's saying Jesus begins to build your life. When he moves in, he begins to, he begins to build your life. I, I love the way author and pastor Max Lucado said it. He said it like this, Jesus loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And so when Jesus receives the invitation to come and to live in your heart, he begins to build. He begins to reshape and remold and improve your life. The next verse goes on to say this. And again, he's comparing what Moses was to what Jesus is because he's writing to Hebrew people. It's the book of Hebrews. And, and they had their understanding of their relationship with God through the lens of what Moses gave them. Moses gave them the Ten Commandments. And so he says in verse 5, Moses was a faithful servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But look at the next verse. But Christ is faithful as a son, the son, over God's house. Listen, you're not following a servant. We're following the faithful son this letter to the Hebrews is basically telling them, he's saying, look, we have a better covenant through Jesus Christ. We have a better relationship through Jesus than you could ever have. We're not just following a servant of God. We're following the Son of God. And the next part of that verse is what I really want you to see. Verse 6b says this, and we are his house. If, don't miss the condition, don't miss the qualification. We are his house if, indeed, we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Now, can I just say, that's a big if. That, that's a real big if. We are God's house if we hold on to our confidence, if we hold on to our hope. Now, I'm not going to take time to read the rest of it, but the rest of Hebrews chapter 3 goes on to explain why the generation of the Israelites that Moses was leading were not qualified to be God's house. Why, they, though they did get out of bondage in Egypt, they didn't get to see the promised land that God had for them. It goes on to explain, and, and the reason is this. When it was all said and done, they simply didn't walk by faith. We are his house if, if we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Now, the Israelites, there were moments where they believed. I mean, there were absolute moments when, when the Passover happened and the death angel was, was coming through. They put their faith in the shed blood of the lamb as they smeared the, the lamb's blood over the doorpost of their home. They had faith that God was going to spare them from the death angel. They had faith in God at other times, like when they were crossing the Red Sea. They, they believed as they stepped onto the dry ground that God was going to hold back the waters long enough for them to get through, but not so long that their enemies could get through after them. 
And sure enough, as soon as they got to the other side, the, the water closed in and drowned the Egyptian army. There were absolutely moments where they had great faith. I mean, when God uh, gave them a fire and a cloud to lead them in the sky, they had faith. When God gave them manna or quail to feed them, they had faith. It wasn't those moments that disqualified them. In fact, all of those moments, they could see what God was doing and they trusted him. But it was the in-between moments. It was the moments when they couldn't see what God was doing. That all of a sudden their faith quickly turned to fear. Their confidence turned to quarreling. And all of a sudden they started losing sight of what God was doing because they couldn't physically see what God was doing. And the last verse in Hebrews 3 says this about them. It says, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. In other words, it's not enough to just believe when you can see what God is doing. That's what that story tells us. It's not enough to just believe when we see what God's doing. You have to live by faith. You know, faith... Faith is like a seed. You, you can plant a seed in the ground, and, and sometimes that seed is, is producing fruit. But sometimes that seed is growing roots. And, and it's easy to be excited about the seed when we can see that it's producing fruit. Moses' generation, they had no problem trusting God in the fruit season, but they failed to trust God in the root season. See, the truth is we, we don't wake up every day with full assurance of what God is doing in our lives. I don't, you don't, none of us do. We don't always know. We don't always have obvious signs. God doesn't lead us to work with a, a pillar of a cloud or, or a fire by night. God doesn't drop manna from the sky to give us our breakfast in the morning. Sometimes we don't even know if God hears us when we pray. But the reality is you can know. Hear this. You can know that where he is welcome, he is working. It, it might not be a fruit season, might be a root season, but where he is welcome, he is working. And we know that we have this incredible promise that the Bible gives us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And it says this, and we know that in all things, God works. Now, we could just put a period right there, and, and that scripture is good enough that you could put it on a t-shirt. You can make a refrigerator magnet. That's a good verse that we know in all things that God works, because the reality is sometimes we think that it ain't working. We think that God's not working. We think that maybe God's fallen asleep on the job, that maybe he's forgotten about us. We see things going on in our lives and in our world right now, and maybe you're thinking, God took a vacation. But we know, it says, in all things, God works, and it doesn't stop there. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. See, when you welcome him in, you can know he's working. You might not see it today, but I'm going to tell you, every time Jesus is welcomed in, things change. I want to tell you a story that uh, I read years ago, it was about an emperor in the Far East, and he was getting older in years, and it was time to choose a successor. 
And instead of choosing one of his children or even one of his servants, he decided to do something totally unconventional. The emperor said he was going to choose one of the subjects in his kingdom. And so he said, I want you to send out a message to all of the boys to come to my palace. And I want them all to show up. And so they all came on a given day. And the emperor said, I'm going to give each one of you a seed. A seed. He said, you're going to take that seed. You're going to plant it in the soil. You're going to water it. You're going to care for it every day. And one year from today, I want you to bring it back to me. I want to see. I want to judge what you've produced with your seed. And on that day, one year from now, I'm going to choose from among you the next emperor of my kingdom. So all of the kids, they were, they were so excited. They got their seed and, and they ran home. One of those uh, kids, his name was Ling. And Ling went home and he showed his seed to his mom. And so his mom helped him to, to get a little pot and, and they filled it with dirt. And, and they put some, some soil in there and, and they planted the seed down in it and, and he watered it and, and they gave it just the right amount of sunlight and and every day, every day, Ling would carefully tend to that seed. He would water it. He would give it the right amount of sunlight. He, he was watching and he was waiting one day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks, three weeks. And, and still, he wasn't seeing anything above the surface. He's starting to get a little worried because now the other boys at school, they're talking about their seed. They're talking about the little saplings that are starting to grow and, and the, the plants that are coming up through the surface. And five weeks turns to six weeks and six weeks turns to six months. Ling still has nothing but dirt in the pot. He's embarrassed now. And when the conversation comes up about what everybody's growing and how healthy it looks, he, he tries to change the conversation or, or slip away. A whole year goes by. And, and though he faithfully continues to, to water the seed and give it sunlight, a year goes by and it's the day that all of the boys are supposed to go back to the palace to see the emperor. And Ling tells his mom, he said, I'm not going. There's no way I'm going to the palace with, with a, a pot full of dirt. And his mom encouraged him, Ling, just be honest. Just be honest about what happened. You need to go. And he, he knew his mom was right, so... So he showed up, but he decided he was going to sneak in at the last minute. So outside of the palace gate, he sees all of these boys coming in. And, and they've got these beautiful pots. Some have uh, small trees. Some have beautiful flowering plants. And, and, and some are pulling carts. And some have vines growing up on lattice. And he waits. He's just holding his pot. Until finally everybody gets in and he slips in the back. And he stands in the back. He just hopes to get through today without being seen. He doesn't want to add any more embarrassment to the, what he's already felt and faced. And the emperor stands before all the boys and, and he looks out and he sees all of these plants. And he says, wow, those are beautiful. Look at all that you've grown. Look at all that you've produced. Everything looks so healthy and beautiful. And then he sees Ling. He says, guards, get that boy. Bring him up here. And Ling is scared to death, as you can imagine. I mean, he thinks, oh my gosh, I'm, he might kill me. I don't know what he's going to do. But he gets called all the way to the front, and he says, bring that pot. And he, he comes all the way to the front. He's holding that, that seed that hasn't produced anything all year. 
that he's faithfully tended and tried to care for and watered and given son. And finally, he stands there and the emperor says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Ling. And then the emperor makes an announcement. To all the boys, he says, behold, I have chosen a new emperor. His name is Ling. Everyone was shocked. Nobody could believe it, especially Ling. And as he's just standing there, dumbfounded by this moment, the emperor goes on to explain. He said, one year ago today, I gave every one of you a seed. I told you to plant it. I told you to water it. I told you to care for it. And one year from that day, I would judge your faithfulness. What I didn't tell you is that I boiled the seeds so that none of them would produce anything. And every one of you, when you saw that your seed was unfruitful, you swapped it out. You exchanged your seed for one that you thought would satisfy me more. Only Ling was faithful to take care of the unproductive seed that I gave him. And because he's shown himself to be faithful, he will be the next emperor in my kingdom. And I tell you, when I think about that story, I can't help but think about seasons in my own life. Seasons when I thought, God, what, what are you doing? I mean, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying my best, but, but it doesn't seem fruitful. And can I tell you, friends, when life isn't as fruitful as you think it should be, it's tempting to want to swap the seed, isn't it? It's tempting to start thinking, maybe there's something else I can do. Maybe, maybe there's a better solution. I mean, just, just staying faithful, it hasn't worked for me. I'm not seeing any fruit. But I want to tell you, if you'll be faithful, God will make you fruitful. God will make you fruitful. He's working. He's always, always working. Sometimes it's the fruit season. Sometimes it's the root season. Maybe you're here and you're listening to, to this sermon and, and it, this is a root season for you. You go, man, all, all the stuff that feels productive in my life, that stuff's been stripped away from me. But God's still working. He's working right now. I want to go back quickly and then I'm going to pray for you to John chapter 14. I want to go back to the verse that I read earlier. Jesus said these words, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I want to say what I said earlier. When you say welcome home Jesus, what you're saying is Jesus, I love you. And when you say Jesus, I love you, that's a love that is demonstrated. How do we demonstrate our love for Jesus. He said, you obey my teaching. Can I just say this about obeying God's teaching? It's not perfection that he's looking for. It's direction. I, I mean, come on. If perfection was the standard, none of us, none of us would measure up. None of us would demonstrate love. But what he's looking for is a heart that says, Jesus, I love you. And so with all of my ability, I'm going to obey your teaching. And if you'll do that, it says, I want to read it again today. He says, my father will love them and we will come to them and we will make our home with them. 
If you need to welcome Jesus home into your heart today, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Right now. You can just begin a relationship with him by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. Now, that's not a complicated prayer. That's, that's a short prayer. It's not the last prayer you need to pray, but it's a great start. Would you just tell him from your heart today, Jesus, I give you my life. Welcome home. Receive everything that he has for you. Let him begin to teach you by his spirit what it means to walk in obedience to his word. Listen, right now, uh, our online hosts are ready to pray for you. In fact, some of our church family, they're watching this with you. They're ready to pray with you. So we're going to go right back into another song of worship to end this service together. And I want to encourage you to not just sing along with us, though we absolutely encourage that. I want you to take these last few minutes to pray together. Let's believe God together. Maybe you've been in one of those root seasons and you've been tempted to, to maybe swap the seed. Stay faithful, friend. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and put your prayer in the comments. Engage with us in this final moment of worship. We're going to declare that the place that we are, our house, your couch, your home, is holy ground. And I believe holy ground is the place where Jesus is. And if you'll welcome Jesus into this moment, listen, chains will fall. Fear will bow. Lives are healed. Hope is found. Why? Because Jesus changes everything.